A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> Starts with dramatic uh, drums of war, and then it led into like just a nice kind of opening guitar vamp for what, like a, a, a nice, a solid uh, early '90s rock tune. I, I, you're right, and I should have. I failed I, for this episode. I should have done more of a Stranger Thing, Stranger Things vibe. <laughs> yes, we definitely need mouth theremin for sure for this episode. It's a nice, uh, creepy arc. Uh, the episodes that we're just oh, we always say our names. That that would be good. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and uh, in the magical mouth musician is 
<laughs> Kidnap suck here to uh, play your mouth music. <laughs> uh, it, it it entertains me every week. It's so great. Uh, the extra spark to the Clone Wars report <laughs> of, of Force Center. Uh, we are discussing every episode of Clone Wars. Sometimes we're discussing uh, the, them as an arc when they connect, and that's our deal this week. We are discussing uh, Season 2, Episode 7, Legacy of Terror, written by Ihon Mahoney, directed by Stuart Lee, and Season 2, Episode 8, Brain Invaders, written by Andrew Kreisberg, directed by Stuart Lee. Uh, and it's, it was kind of a challenge coming into this one, Ken, because it's this kind of four-episode mm-hmm. second taking of Geonosis arc, but these two are a little bit separate because these are the horror episodes. <laughs> are you feeling okay about the way we broke these up? I actually love that you broke them up. Now, they do definitely a complete arc. We'll, we'll talk about it in this episode. Some great stuff about that. But, yeah, no, the 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 tonal shift is is pretty clear. I mean, there's some there's some horror beats in the other two. We talked about that with the Kiadi Mundi and his troopers and all stuff there. But big switch. And, um, yeah, really smart to break it up because it, it definitely uh, a lot to dig into. And I don't want to skip anything, especially on the last couple episodes, two of my favorites. And then these two challenge me because of my relationship with horror. Oh, yes, of course. I was wondering about that because there's uh, there are lots of moments where like, oh, man, I love that. And, like, I wonder how Ken's going to feel about this because – is it scary or is it just nodding to scariness or is it getting to the roots of horror? Uh, so we'll be, uh, we'll be having a good conversation about that one. Uh, but first we've been doing some summaries and I admit I'm trying to keep these short, Ken, but they keep getting longer. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a trend here at Force Center. I wonder whose fault that is. Probably mine. Anyway, let's do a quick summary. Victory! The Jedi and the clones have destroyed the new droid foundry and retaken the planet Geonosis. But Jedi Master Luminara Onduli is haunted by the cost of the victory. Determined to prevent future loss of lives, she recklessly chases after Poggle the Lesser to obtain vital separatist information. When Luminara's communications falter, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker race to her rescue. They descend into the bowels of a Geonosian temple and find nothing but horror. Zombie Geonosians roam the catacombs. They are unkillable for they are already dead. Using brain-infesting worms, the zombies are controlled by the hive mind of Geonosian queen Karina the Great. Karina tries to use the worms to control the Jedi, but she's outsmarted by Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Jedi escape with their captured prize, Poggle the Lesser. However... The Queen's vengeance is not dead yet. Padawans Ahsoka Tano and Barriss Offee take a medical frigate to get vital medical supplies to Mace Windu. Little do they know, the clones on their ship are infected with the insidious worms. Ahsoka and Barriss reflect on the fine line between Jedi peacekeepers and Jedi warriors. Suddenly, this philosophical debate is put to an immediate and terrible test when Barriss herself is infected. Anakin panics and tortures Poggle to discover the weakness of the worms. Ahsoka holds strong to her instinct for compassion and refuses to kill an infected Barriss, even as Barriss begs for death. Using Poggle's knowledge that the worms are vulnerable to the cold, Ahsoka saves Barriss and the clones, at least until all of them can turn on her again in the future. Bum, bum, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. I really think someone, uh, Lucasville needs to pay you to, you know, to, to kind of put these out there, submit, submit them, uh, you know, uh, on the official site of, uh, <laughs> summaries. uh, great articles of the past. We always reference from Kristen Baver. She is wonderful, but like, yeah, you, you, you hit all of it there. It's always really good for me 
especially with notes to be like, yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Didn't miss that. Oh, that's there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I have such fun uh, writing them and reading them because I just, I love the tone of those new re- newsreels at the beginning of Clone Wars that has this exact kind of, uh, of phrasing that I have fun uh, mimicking, but also sometimes the straightforward plot beats that, that I absorbed as I watched these Clone Wars episodes are not necessarily the things that are really going on. So I was like writing these summaries to go like, okay, but what is really the motivation? Why is this really happening? And it is fun to look at from that perspective. Um, let's dive into what is really going on in this episode. What is your overall reaction? You said you struggled with it. So tell me about your struggle, Ken. Yeah, no secret. I, I'm, not the, I'm not the biggest horror fan. Uh, I get it as a genre, really respect it as a genre when it's used to really uh, commentate on uh, social issues and, uh, human condition and all there for that. And and that's in this episode. So no doubt about it. I think they really worked. And I love when Star Wars kind of uh, kind of plays around with genres. I kept going to the the Zillow Beast, uh, you know, great arc. And, and I appreciate that one more now than I did then. So these episodes have a lot there for me. I just it's not that I'm a even freaked out or, or afraid during these episodes. I just find them absolutely disgusting, but in a good way. There's a lot of th- a lot of imagery that I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, a, a lot of that. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I just don't gravitate to straight horror, and that's just the way it is, uh, way it is for me. And and um, we'll talk a little bit more about do these feel like Star Wars? They absolutely do. I just uh, not my favorite version of Star Wars, but you know, I'm always back. I'm I'm going forward and I'm backpedaling, Joseph. Going forward, <laughs> backpedaling. A lot to dig into. I'm not sitting there clutching my blanket, afraid of these episodes. And it's okay if you are out there. But uh, a lot going on, and I, I have to, you know, revisiting these was like, oh, these are two I don't know if I'd ever revisit if I wasn't doing this. Wow. Okay. Now this is. I'm glad that you're uh, going forward, moving back because that mm-hmm. is the definition of struggle. You are honestly struggling with these episodes. Yeah. Uh, let me ask a, a, a few probing questions, if I may. Yes, so sir. I think in there, there's I think effectively scary. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just the the tension moments that are just standard great horror stuff that's executed really well, like the clones down in the catacombs. We know that there are some things that aren't right down there. And there's that just tension of when is it going to pop out? Almost just the straightforward uh, jump scare horror. Does that get to you? Um, not in these episodes. Overall, yeah, not my favorite thing. I just, you know, I take it home with me. I take it home with me since I'm already home with these episodes. Um, it's all effective. It all works. And if I was young, gosh, if you mentioned, you know, seven or eight, nine, watch this. You might be afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, okay. I also wanted to follow up. You said you just kind of, you feel it. it. I would say that there is an element of body horror with just literally watching uh, worms uh, flow into people's uh, facial orifices. Yeah. Uh, their noses in particular is the episode is take <laughs> care, care to point out that that's where they go. Do you actually, do you feel that? I don't like that. Yeah. And what what Star Trek movie does the uh, the little brain slug go into Chekhov? Star what? Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. Yes. Thank you, sir. I saw that movie in the theaters. Love that movie. Great picture. Um, that stayed with me. <laughs> yeah. My no, it's a, it's a pretty pretty infamous one uh, for, for things crawling into your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even uh, like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with the, the Babblefish, uh, I don't even like that one. Like the thought of just a fish in your ear translating all the languages. This is great. It's a, just a great concept. Hilarious. Yeah. Love it. 
I, I just couldn't. I'd be like, oh, no, thanks. I'll, I'll struggle through this. Yeah. For me, I'm not ever a huge fan of body horror. I like the ideas and the mood of horror. And I, and I don't mind jump scares. And I kind of don't mind somebody popping out with a knife. But there's a specific kind of can you take this sort of gruesome thing happening to a body that I'm never a huge fan of personally. Mm-hmm. But I also have this like really clear distinction that there are some kinds of wounds that just don't bother me because there's nothing in my mm-hmm. psyche that it that it sets off. Like um, yes. a straight break of an arm, no matter how brutal, there's something about it that doesn't bother me. A clean mm-hmm. break of an arm. Yeah. Yeah. You could, I could see, uh, <laughs> that sounds awful. I could see thousands of arms broken. Uh, but if it gets to different specific body parts, like knees bother me because I, for some reason when I'm watching, I can feel that. Whereas like a clean yeah. break of an arm, for some reason, in my own uh, uh, psychological makeup, I can separate myself from that but it sounds like you're in that for you this is a a corollary to my knee thing you can feel it and you can't separate yourself from it yeah that's a yeah great great analysis of that yeah like look at it like uh, there was a point in my life when i thought i I might try to go be a paramedic or an emt and there's a lot of parts of it that i've I've handled the you know the heart attacks and seizures and i've been there for that kind of stuff and the clean breaks as you say but the you know punctured breaks uh, you know i'm okay the, my blood my blood tolerance is pretty good but it starts uh you know uh, you know you start you know is that an intestine uh, i start backing up um <laughs> i mean there's even some death scenes in game of thrones some pretty gruesome ones mm-hmm. uh, you know where, where disembowelments or something like that where i just can't do it but as far as like th- yeah things going uh pointing in eyes like if you if you joke uh, grace will, will you know might point a, a finger in my eye or something like that. It's a weird thing. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, I get a little squeamish, uh, you know, and ears and noses. And like, I got a little bit of a snoot problem right now. And I got to go to my doctor maybe. And I'm just like, I don't want you up there. <laughs> <laughs> Too close to the brain, doc. Yeah. 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 And so this episode literally, you know, worm brains, parasites. It, yeah. A little squeamish, a little squeamish. Okay, totally, totally understandable and happy to talk through and understand uh, where you're coming from on that. And, you know, maybe maybe it will uh, uh, flesh out other other things we talk about in this episode or these episodes. Uh, For me, I absolutely love these episodes. Uh, I am not bothered by the worms for some reason. Um, So I can really just enjoy it as horror without myself feeling any sort of personal body horror or, (laughs) you know, unwanted writhing. Um, I, I think there's a lot to love about these episodes that is very, very tied to core Star Wars ideas, uh, core ideas of these characters. But I just also kind of love that they are horror. I think these two episodes are maybe, you know, one of the best examples of the hardest that any canon Star Wars has just pushed into full horror genre. Mm-hmm. I know there's some books and things like that, uh, but for like on screen plenty of great moments of, ooh, that's kind of a horror-influenced shot or a horror-influenced moment. These two episodes are uh, not just the aesthetic of horror with some of those great uh, shots of uh, that's an absolute zombie shot or that's a, you know, Resident Evil shot of stuck in the in the catacombs. There's the great, fun aesthetic of horror that Star Wars is playing with, but these episodes are also dealing with those deeper reasons that we're scared of these particular images and ideas. They're not just taking the kind of surface level of their horror influences and, uh, and playing with them for aesthetic fun. They're actually diving into the uh, fear that is in those stories that they're kind of pulling from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of zombie stuff in general. And a lot of this is obviously straightforward zombie, but I even feel like the two episodes 
are kind of dealing with two primary fears that we find in zombie stories. The first episode is just that fear of death. The fear uh, that death, making death just a literal physical symbol that is Mm -hmm. marching for you, you can't understand it, and you can't stop it, and it's going to get you, right? That's the the actual fear of a horde of zombies. But then the second episode is this different zombie story. It is that fear of containment, that fear of you are being cornered by the monster, and because you are being cornered, it is pushing you to maybe make choices that you wouldn't otherwise. You know, that's why so many zombie stories are about, are not just about the uh, the idea of, uh, oh, the zombies are going to eat me. It's once I'm locked up in a contained space with other humans, are we the monsters kind of question. Right. And I love that the first episode is, the monsters are the monsters. <laughs> and then the yeah. second episode is, oh, maybe the monsters are going to force us to to deal with whether or not we're monsters. Yeah. And plus uh, consumerism when they go to the mall on the second episode. <laughs> I wish I wish they had some uh, undead zombie Geonosians <laughs> trapping a bunch of characters in some shopping malls on Coruscant. That would be yeah. great. That should have been the third episode. Actually, wouldn't wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. I do think it is uh, uh, yeah. pulling from from that specific mm-hmm. idea uh, totally. in some ways. Um and I, and I lo- like that it it's it is isn't just a one to one of any zombie movies. Uh, it, it's got obviously those aesthetics and shots that are very, like I said, any number of zombie films, Resident Evil. But there's also like a little bit of an element from Creature from the Black Lagoon or King Kong where it's like people going to a revered creature's lair where they aren't wanted there and they don't know the rules there. You know, seeing that uh, symbol of the queen and not really knowing about the queen and going into that. And then there's even like a, a little bit of aliens Totally. The movie Aliens with Queen, the you know huge scary queen uh, birthing, mm. birthing murderous young, you know. So I, I like that it isn't just one thing, but lots of horror influences. Uh, and then the other thing for me is I think they really successfully, out of all this horror, do some really great character insights and highlights. That first episode I think is really a showcase for Obi Wan in lots of ways. That really mm. gets to show how he, how important it is to his character that he's curious about things. And then yeah. that second episode is just kind of a, a, an Ahsoka Anakin character study in a lot of ways, I think. Oh no. Yeah. When that, when that moral comes up for the second episode, I just kind of went like, Oh yeah, yeah, here we go. Like, you know, we, we talk often about the Clone Wars animated series, just really getting to highlight Anakin and just what's going on with Anakin and how those around him. And it's obviously Ahsoka story too. It's not just all serving Anakin, but Real great stuff. And that conversation at the end that we're going to talk about in the second episode is, is uh, quick and pretty powerful. And I did enjoy that. And great Obi-Wan stuff. Man, it's solid Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. This is an episode where I'll get to say a lot of things about Obi-Wan. And hopefully you'll join me. Um, so let's talk about the morals. We always like talking about those. The first episode's moral is sometimes accepting help is harder than offering it. And the moral of the second episode is attachment is not compassion. Oh, those are two uh, big morals. Ken, which one did you gravitate to? Both? Why? I, I mean, the attachment one for all the Anakin stuff we just mentioned, but also just, um, you know, I mentioned last uh, a couple weeks ago on a show uh, here in Clone Wars Report of just uh, love can often be confused as, as possession. And, and just it's so easy sometimes find lines uh, and some of these big concepts and big emotions and not just in love, but just in, in life and those around you. And 
and this idea of 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 yeah, it, it, how easy it can be to confuse that, and, and uh, attachment might seem like compassion because you want the you don't want that person to go, you you want them to succeed, you want to be there to help them. There's a lot of good things, and and the both these episodes just have a a great tension of Anakin being separated from those he cares about or the things he cares about, and adding just a great tension to that uh, because. I think his intentions, even right now during this era, are generally really good. That speech at the end kind of shows it, but it's just, he doesn't just go evil. It's a chip by chip just being pulled out of his foundations, and and this episode shows that. So I love that one. I went to that one, uh, and then a good more thoughts coming on, on sometimes uh, accepting help is harder than offering it. I took that a lot of different ways. Uh, great, great big malls. Yeah, yeah. Attachment is not compassion. I, I love everything you're saying, and that that's a really powerful one to see. Uh, oftentimes, the morals are very much, you know, coming of age, just kind of really good and rock solid, you know, things that our culture generally believes in, you know, yeah. about trust and in, in that, uh, or, or many other ideas, or working hard, or all, all these kind of great things. This is such a attachment is such an important word in Star Wars to have the moral be really like. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. really really making a, a discernment between attachment which can be good or bad versus compassion right. which i think is in star wars always a good thing it's not compassion that is what makes anakin fall as you're saying it is you know a, attachment possession fear of loss it's not his care of others which mm-hmm. one would call compassion it's his fear of what will it will do to him to mm-hmm. lose others and, right. and to see that it just really clearly mm-hmm. as a moral of an episode of the Clone Wars is really cool. Um, sometimes accepting help is harder than offering it. You know, there's that uh, social media joke of, you know, hitting the objection of I am in this photo and I do not like it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's how I felt about that one. Um, mm-hmm. But I really liked it because I think it is for me maybe not like the main idea of the episode but it was really interesting to have a moral that was highlighting to me a flaw in one of the jedi that to me that that moral is just absolutely about luminara unduly who who kind of goes against her normal character and mm-hmm. that gets highlighted in the episode uh because she is determined to get poggle and makes a lot of uh choices that uh she wouldn't normally make in particular not really accepting help so i I thought that moral was really interesting because it's it's powerful and i think true that uh oftentimes we as humans in my opinion would be able to solve some of our problems if we were able to take the advice that we give to other people (laughs) oh my god (laughs) but it's extremely hard to do um that was really cool to see that uh moral there and to see it play out with luminara um Any other thoughts on the morals before we go into the big ideas of the episodes themselves? No, no let's slide in. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page on, on, on Luminar Unduli. And we keep talking. She's in a lot of this stuff. And, and we, you know, big things around her of this, I think, a great character, a, a flawed character, which I love characters with flaws because we can learn from those flaws and, and a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, what were the big ideas that were at stake in the episode? Yeah, I, I, um, I went, I mean, uh, I don't know, I want to approach this one. Yeah, so in, in episode 207, or, or the um, uh, Legacy of Terror, this idea to me of uh, this rushing off and not helping, not accepting help, sometimes it's, it's an it, patience, which is very clear and very, uh, 
important to Jedi, something they talk about, and and, and trust, which which kind of goes both ways, and and everything about her rushing off when when everyone and yeah, you got boring old Kiati, just take take your time, and but, but even Anakin's kind of like uh, you know storms are coming, Annie, um, Obi Wan definitely in there, uh, a lot of that, and so that that's the thing of trust of like yeah yeah we tr- trust us to know that we we support your goals, Luminar, and that together with the right amount of information and, and just a little patience so that we all can do this and succeed together. Something you just kind of touched upon Joseph and, and it, it, there's some bigger picture stuff I think that connects to, I want to talk about in a bit, but, uh, and then it, and then it flips and then, you know, then, then Anakin wants to charge ahead and there's a little bit of like, you no, know, some of the help you need right now is, is, is you, we need trust that she can handle herself or that we will save it. And that if you go right now, there's more problems. And, and then she has to, again, trust them when they show up to save her. And, and like, where do you think it's going to go? The, the nose of the mouth, all that kind of stuff's there. And it's just this circle of patience and trust, which is all about accepting not just the help, but even kind of the love and support from those around you, which is part of what you're talking about in the real world, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. These are great thoughts. And I love how in this episode, the next episode, uh, Anakin, uh, you know, we zero in on on some of his his needs and his wants and his fears. Mm -hmm. I like how in this first episode, Anakin seems to just be in the camp of let's do something. (laughs) But it does change what he does. And it really highlights that he is just somebody who feels more comfortable charging forward, even though some of the things that he wants to charge forward is he actually wants to charge forward on, you know, going back to get more help once at one point, you know, which is very different for Anakin. So I think that is great. Um, For me, I I thought what really tied everything you're talking about together with all of the other ideas with kind of like why this is a zombie horror show is I felt this episode was a really different approach to the idea of fear of death. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of talk about Jedi throughout, you know, Star Wars canon mythology about Jedi needing to learn to let go and, uh, you know, accepting that death is a natural part of, of life. Uh, and this was a really different approach on it because I really felt what was making Luminara make all of these uncharacteristic choices was her fear of death in terms of the war, just feeling the pain mm-hmm. of the cost of war. We start with her talking about how much, her and Obi-Wan talking about mm-hmm. how many clones died. It just outlines death right away. Obi-Wan says the battles do appear to be coming with growing frequency. Even um, what mm-hmm. feels like just kind of a, a, a fun, light little moment with Gaddy Mundi. Uh, he talked about how his, his wounds are looking better, but he wishes he could say the same of his men. Uh, even in the next episode, we get that reminder that everything that is happening is happening uh, in the plot because Mace had a battle that he seemed to win but he lost a lot of clones and many of them are wounded. So both episodes are reminding us constantly of death coming for the clones because of this war. Um, and that seems to really motivate Luminara to go after Poggle because she specifically says he has too much information. We need to end this war, which re- really to me just flowing out of I'm seeing death and I can't cope that I don't have more control over it. So I'm going to, you know, be on characteristic. Mm-hmm. Go after Poggle by herself, risk the sandstorm against everyone's advice. Even got the Kiati Mundi line saying, Luminar's not one to take unnecessary risks, which is great because it <laughs> it reminds you like, yeah, but she is now. And even once she gets to the temple, uh, you know, she tries to tell them not to come, tries to tell them to go back, uh, you know, again and again, and really refusing help, which to me is this picture of 
Luminar Unduli is this Jedi who is obsessing over a desire to her personally control the situation and not let anyone else die or even take risk but herself, not the clones, not the Jedi. And I just love how it's this picture of she is a different aspect of the fear of death and the obsession with control, both of which are things that a Jedi should be able to push away and she's failing. I'm, I'm applauding you. That is a beautiful take on what's there. I wrote down this note of, um, again, horror films often used to, to, to shine a light and a mirror back on our faces and lives. Uh, I said the horrors that can't be stopped, uh, they must be dealt with, meaning you can't just stop death here. You must find a way to deal with it. And, and it's, to me, shown in this literal, you know, uh, we, uh, we can't just slice them in half. We can't just shoot them. we got to find another way. And I don't know if that exactly ties into what you're saying in, in, in your mind, but it, it, it works for me in the sense of, of everything, you know, road to hell is uh, paved with good intentions, uh, those kind of bumper sticker advices of everything you're saying about Luminara comes from just a wonderful spot and a wonderful desire to stop all of this. But, but uh, the mistakes it forces her to make uh, because she doesn't accept the help. Patience, trust, all those issues. Yeah, great stuff. Deep stuff. Yeah, and I, and I I totally agree with you that I think it it absolutely does connect to the rest of the episode because sometimes you'll we'll have a an episode where oh there's a Jedi kind of doing something weird or wrestling with something and and that's one of the parts of the episode. To me, this is absolutely ties into what the actual you know fun horror genre thing that's going on is. It, it, the the undead Geonosians controlled uh, by the queen mm. are just a physical manifestation of what the Jedi in general and Luminara are wrestling with of uh, we are supposed to protect people, but there's this constant death and we can't and we're losing control over it. It's a fear of death and a fear of loss of control. And so that is absolutely literalized by undead Geonosians that are basically walking death that can't be killed because they're already dead. You can't kill death. You can't fight death. You can't control it. Death will eventually come. You know, it's just making it absolutely literal and physical. Uh, and it's got a worm in its nose. And it's, it's you know, a, a fun episode, uh, but it's absolutely got those things at stake. And then to mm -hmm. add on to the, those things, uh, that what the queen ultimately really does want is she is this master of death. She can reanimate her warriors and they can't be killed because they're dead. But what she wants to get out of this mastery of death is control, mm. control over the, the Jedi and, and almost in star Wars terms, it's this great picture of what queen Karina is threatening them with is they will no longer be luminous beings. They will just be crude matter with no agency. Mm. In, in what a great assault to a Jedi. Like for any of us, obviously, yeah. nobody wants their autonomy taken away, but particularly from the way that the Jedi view the mm. galaxy, right? That right. this is just crude matter and we're luminous beings and she's going to take over our minds, our souls, the luminous part, and then we're just going to be her meat puppets is extra terrifying uh, when you think about the, the perspective of a fear of loss of control, which yeah. they're all wrestling with. And Me Puppets, a great band. Their single Backwater was a top of the charts hit for me in 1945. Uh, no, yeah, no. Uh, uh, the uh, real, real effect of creepiness. I, think, I believe it's Dee Bradley Baker doing Karina, Queen Karina's voice of just the, uh, I will devour you. Like, just uh, uh, we always talk about 
you know, High Republic's dealing with like, what do the Jedi, what's the true challenge to the Jedi fear, all those kind of things. And what you just described of, uh, you know, that taking it down to the luminous beans are we not according to her, if she can have her way, that's, that's a great horror. That's a great horror that, that, uh, they must deal with and find a way to, to work with or work around. If you yeah. Know. That, that, the, the D. Badley Baker's delivery of that, I devour you. I control you. <laughs> yeah. So creepy. So great. Um, yeah. And then, uh, my last kind of big thing on this, uh, fear of death, fear of loss of control is, uh, I think this is such a triumphant episode for Obi-Wan, uh, there's a ton of uh, funny lines. There's a ton of uh, fun lines, kind of Obi-Wan and Anakin having great banter about Obi-Wan's uh, curiosity versus uh, and desire to always talk things out versus Anakin's like, oh, yeah, but when that falls apart, I will spring into action. You'll be happy I did that. And like, OK, fair enough. Some good good balance and good bantering between Obi-Wan and Anakin. But I think it, it becomes this really sharp contrast between Obi-Wan on one side and Luminara and Anakin on the other. Illuminara and Anakin go through this episode attempting to absolutely control and dominate the situation and deal with their fear by, by taking control. And instead, Obi-Wan shows curiosity and a real lack of fear. Um, there's almost this meta element of it where we, the audience, are being presented with this is a terrifying horror show with this, you know, uh, giant bug queen of death plopping out more murderous monsters and it can't be killed and everything is darkness and they can't get out and their communications are broken down. And it almost seems like Luminar and Anakin are watching the horror movie and Obi-Wan's like the, the person like, this doesn't scare me. There's nothing to be scared about. He just ignores the horror and he talks about strategy, republic mm -hmm. law. You know, right. she's she's just another uh, sentient being to be negotiated with, not a terrifying zombie worm queen. And that's his attitude towards her. Yeah. And then he actually both literally and figuratively shines light on the situation. He just he doesn't give in to any of the horror of the death or the fear of loss of control. It is that he is literally just walking up to him going like, yeah, no, I'll just chat with you. I'm not frightened of you. Uh, and in fact, uh, the way I, to deal with you, because you live in darkness, is to literally have my clones shine a light on you. Um, yeah. and I just think that's a, a great triumph for Obi-Wan in this episode. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, what, I mean, I'm thinking of Grievous going, ah, the negotiator. Like, yep, yep, he is. This is what he does. Um, I regret to inform you, you rule is at an end. Uh, he's so sassy, Obi-Wan. I wrote down the line uh, that he says, the more we know, the better. And both these episodes just really shine a light on knowledge, uh, a key thing of Jedi's, uh, you know, operating orders, right? Knowledge and defense and, and to have you uh, just... I, no doubt you, you you wouldn't do this with Obi-Wan, but just uh, put him in the situation and, and shine a light on how best in this particular case and maybe overall to handle some of these literal horror, horrors. And a lot of it is knowledge. A lot of it is uh, calm, patience, confidence even. Uh, Obi-Wan's got a lot of that at times and I uh, love all that. Yeah. And I think what I like about this episode and some of the, the great lines too and just the energy from Obi-Wan is sometimes in Star Wars when characters recommend patience or knowledge, mm -hmm. it can come off kind of like, yep, that's wise, but it feels yep. so calm and passive. Yep. And focusing on Obi-Wan's curiosity of like, well, how do you get knowledge is by asking questions and being open to other ideas and and not being afraid if you look under you know, uh, in, if you look down this scary hallway full of shadows that you're going to 
automatically find something horrible, but maybe you'll find something interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's such a great way to make knowledge proactive, intriguing, fun, to portray it as curiosity. And I, that's what I really love about Obi-Wan in this episode is it's not just that he's like, I'm terrified, but I'm going to be strong because we need knowledge. He's like, I really want to know where those worms go. <laughs> I love it. Dare I say a weaponized curiosity. Yes. <laughs> you know, of course, somewhat there. No, no. Excellent. Excellent uh, breakdown of that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for letting me go on and on about Obi-Wan. There will be more to come. Did you enjoy Obi-Wan in this episode? I, I loved it. I loved it. It's really in keeping with the, the Obi-Wan of the prequels and perhaps over, Obi-Wan overall for sure. But a lot of the things, I mean, the Grievous quote, but uh, I, I made a note of um, early, later on just to be like, once again, we got Obi, Obi-Wan, the private investigator out on the trail trying to figure it out. And it really works. And, and, and the spotlight, the spotlight from the clone mask you just shown on Obi-Wan and <laughs> how to deal with it, it, it. It's really good stuff and consistent with the character and a fun, uh, fun part of the character and a valuable part. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, let's talk about some other ideas. Uh, what, what did you feel like? There's so much to dive into for the, the second episode of the arc. Yeah. What did you feel like were the big ideas in that episode? Did they connect to the ideas of the previous episode? What are your thoughts there? I, uh, keep it going with some of the knowledge and the curiosity stuff you're talking about. That's there as well. Uh, there is uh, with Ahsoka. I started with these, this idea of her, you know, struggling to sleep. It's really something. Really something, and, and Barris is, uh, you know, knocked out, ready, you know, a nice uh, back sleeper, which I just, I just, uh, I, I'm not a back sleeper. I'm, I'm jealous <laughs> of those who can just find that slumber. I'm a, I'm a tosser, turner, and a side sleeper, and I see myself in Ahsoka. But uh, I, what I love is this conversation that emerges from that is, is sort of this enjoying the peace, which leads in that great conversation of keepers of the peace or, or warriors, something we can talk about here. But this idea of finding yourself, like literally finding yourself when your purpose has changed. And how that is kind of an attachment of sorts and how she talks about, you know, it's easy to look at Anakin being attached to Ahsoka as his Padawan and friend and somebody cares about or attached to Shmi, Padwa, Padme, Obi-Wan at one point even, um, uh, 3PO at one point. Uh, Anakin's a lot of those attachments. But the I always go with this real personal one too of just Anakin is attached to a certain idea of what he brings to the story and the fight in the galaxy and and Ahsoka wondering as the music cue plays behind her of, uh, I don't think it's going to sit well with him. Um, is pretty interesting to me, uh, a good starting point. And, and, and this idea of how many times did she say like this, do what must be done comes up, right? Yep. That big thing. Barris says it to Ahsoka when they split up. Ahsoka says it about Anakin. Anakin quote, does what must be done with Poggle. And let's not forget that a little bit later on in this era, Palpatine eventually says it to Anakin, do what must be done. A lot of ideas around that and attachment to uh, finding your purpose in what must be done, I guess. Yeah. I really love this. Uh, I, I love what you're saying. I, I kept after I watched this episode and, and uh, wrote up these notes uh, I kept hearing Palpatine like is I was like, well, I should wash the dishes now. Do what must be done. <laughs> Always been one of my favorite lines. Uh, but this does a lot of great work of tying Anakin's uh, flaws together or, or mm-hmm. the things that eventually become flaws. It, I think you're saying it really beautifully that we're, we're uh, you know, really familiar with the story of his uh, compassion turns to uh, possession. Right. You know, his desire to protect his friends turns into his own selfish fear to lose them. And we get to see how that happens. Uh, but there's also this strong side of him that kind of doesn't change 
from when he is a uh, compassionate, well-intentioned nine-year-old until he is Darth Vader marching down a hall after the Death Star plans. This is a human who has this instinct that everything can be solved by a direct line. Just do what must be done, you know? And there's that great scene in Attack the Clones that I think really ties it all together of, well, I think you should just get everybody in a room and, and make a decision about what's best. And Padme's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's our government. Like, but the problem is people don't agree. Well, they should be made to. And like he, he goes so far down that line. We've got that, this question before on Force Center. I don't think he's joking. I think he turns it into a joke when he realizes, oh, yeah. oh I just made an argument <laughs> for authoritarianism with uh, this super democratic woman that I'm in love with better better back off a little bit but this episode really shows us that from everything is well intentioned as uh they need help with and i've got a pod race so I'll, I'll just do what must be done i've got i can do it i'll do it just do what must be done uh to his feelings during the war that you know if, if there's a problem uh, just run straight across the bridge <laughs> bridge hacking and slashing you know yeah. uh and i think that attitude that his desire to sometimes not deal with the complexity of a situation. Like he's smart and fast and intuitive and he can come up with new plans on the fly like we talked about last week. But his instinct to just charge forward at a problem and think he can kind of overpower them mm -hmm. ties into how he goes from, okay, well, I, I of course, of course I, I'm worried that I could lose Padme. Uh, so I'll handle that the way I have this instinct to just go running straight at the problem and do what must be done instead mm. of embracing uh, the complexity of it. So, yeah, uh, there I think I've even said this. Uh, I have a vague memory of saying this before and tying it to Anakin. But, um, you know, he succeeds. His, some of the banter with him and Obi-Wan is a little bit of like Anakin being like, yeah, you got your way. I got my way and my way always seems to work. And Obi -Wan, and it's fun banter and it's great banter. We're going to talk about it. But there's this phrase I, I sometimes use uh, a friend of mine, my, one of my best friends. And like, it's like your ass always lands in butter. And <laughs> he is what you're describing, that type of person. A great cat who, who, who is so supportive and, and loves and wants to help everyone that he can. But he is a... He's a big, t strong alpha male type, and he, I will, I will charge headlong into the problem. It's always the case, and I'm sometimes like, yeah, th that can work a lot of the times, but there's could be ramifications, unintended con consequences, and I'm, I'm not saying always be cautious and, and over patient like me or something like that. But I'm looking at Anakin, and I take that very real world example that's close to my life, and that's what I'm talking about of. Of, of, of George and, and, and his team and uh, really analyzing why Anakin fell and how my expectations of Anakin's fall in 2005 were, all right, Revenge of the Sith, we're going to see him just go, I'm evil and I'm kicking ass. And it, here he was on his knees crying and I couldn't get to that. I couldn't understand that as much back then. And to see it just brick by brick be broken down and along the way he's succeeding, even with Ahsoka. He, he saves her, right? And it, it, he, we, he wouldn't want it any other way. And he kind of talks about it at the end of the episode. And and uh, the, the, it all falls under that. Yeah, just do what must be done. And it's going to hurt you. It could come back and haunt you if you're not careful about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's, it's what I love about this episode that it raises that question with that great scene, that great uh, late night uh, dining scene with Ahsoka in Barris where she isn't, Ahsoka isn't worried about how her master is going to let go of attachments, right? She's really focusing on that, 
when the war is over, he he's gonna he's got some weird ideas, some controversial ideas about the future. He's gonna have a hard time just being, mm. you know, and dealing with peace. Um, and that I I think for me this whole episode it, it ties together all these great ideas about Anakin. It mm. really contrasts them with Ahsoka. And I think it does it all by using this zombie structure of uh, the heroes are contained and pushed to their limit. And what choices will they make that risk them becoming monsters? I mean, this is pretty much all of, you know, The Walking Dead is like, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, and, you know, it's such a well-known idea that it has almost become a trope of like, turns out the humans were the monsters, right? But I don't think this episode is is like um, clumsy about it. It, It's really great because it's just the pressure and the horror of what happens when, you know, your your comrades turn against you. How far will you go uh, to save the yourself, to save the people you care about? And that key idea of how far will you go uh, you know, ties in with everything. Uh, it's set up so well by the Ahsoka Barris conversation about are Jedi supposed to be peacekeepers or warriors and what's the difference uh, is uh, what Ahsoka literally says. Uh, it sets up that great idea of, well, uh, you know, is you're talking about the, we'll do what needs to be done, which leaves this great big question mark hanging of, well, what, what is that and why? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like for me, strangely, the, the key line in the episode is when Obi-Wan says to Anakin, sometimes I don't think you realize how alike you two have become, meaning Anakin and Ahsoka. Mm. And it's this, for me, it was this key moment of things that I, I think I know about the characters and think I enjoy about the characters, but really seeing them play out under this zombie pressure that Anakin, that Obi-Wan is half right. <laughs> that Anakin and Ahsoka both lead with compassion, but Ahsoka's compassion always leads her to mercy, and mm. Anakin's compassion leads him to fear and anger and justifying doing whatever he thinks must be done. So they both start from compassion, but they take it these different places, and that's their big picture story, and that's literally what happens in this episode, right? Ah- Ahsoka mm. risks uh, her own life, possibly others, maybe, to save yeah. Barris in the moment, despite Barris saying, please kill me. Uh, and in contrast, Anakin tortures Poggle uh, with the excuse that he's saving Ahsoka and maybe saving even even more than Ahsoka, uh, allegedly. And, and maybe he does, but it's clearly uh, framed as a is compassion leading him to do something that is wrong. Uh, I feel like the imperial <laughs> theme... Yeah under his actions is is a pretty clear statement that it's <laughs> exactly. that it's wrong you know pretty clear this this uh, this is an odd leap i know this all ties into sagarera telling sin uh, uh Jin Urso, what will they do when they catch you what will you, you do if they break you if you continue to fight what will you become anakin gets caught by palpatine <laughs> and what will you become anakin this is all all uh all gonna be summed up by sagarera and a deleted trailer scene Sagrera unlocked everything with that deleted scene yeah so i love that it it raises this question of are the jedi warriors are they peacekeepers what happens in a micro situation where that is put under under pressure by your own zombified friends coming at you uh you got to protect yourself but also this ship is heading towards uh this medical station where even more people will be vulnerable and ahsoka manages to get through it 
being a peacekeeper who leads with compassion and Anakin breaks down and, and becomes a warrior uh, mm-hmm. who, who is at risk of losing his humanity. Yeah, I'm going to clip this out and send this to some people I know. Um, all right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I'm sorry, you, you cut out for a second. Oh, no, I apologize. I was uh, mumbling to myself on real-world uh, conversations. Um, <laughs> one one final theme, if I may, before we go into some Please. larger one. Uh, and I'm cheating on this one. and I, I, We joke every week, but I love watching those little featurettes. And, and, and Filoni's got some great insight. Sometimes it's just silly stuff. He tied that that end scene, which we're breaking down some of the big, big stuff in Star Wars, big questions. He also says there's a purpose to it of these four episodes. And we, you know, tying it all up of just Ahsoka having that moment at the end with Anakin, almost even just, you know, regardless of what's being discussed. He said he put it in there or that it's in there to, to kind of show again with that idea of we're, we're, we're giving Star Wars to the younger generation that your journey may be perilous. and You may have obstacles and challenges, but you do have people around you who care about you and are there for support. And, and, and he, he meant it as uh, or they meant it as a team as kind of a, kind of a comfort for a young person. And Ahsoka goes through that and to wake up and find Anakin there at her side, looking out the window, waiting for her to wake up and to have some advice. Again, we can break down what the advice is and means for Anakin and everything. Uh, and then they, and they, they put that in there and, and I am I'm cheating. It's not my idea, but I, I just thought it was pretty powerful as we're talking about these two episodes, but the last four we discussed. Yeah, no, I'm great. I'm really glad that you, you uh, watch those featurettes and I, I'm, I'm trying to do that, but it's nice to know that, uh, that you have them and they are super insightful. And I really felt that in this, um, that the intention of that final scene was a comfort, was a balm because we get to see Anakin, uh, go dark. Uh, but then there's none of that there. There's just the wisdom and the compassion for Ahsoka. And in particular, he, he says, letting go of our attachment is a difficult struggle for all of us. You followed your instincts. I'm sure she, meaning Barris, would agree you made the right choice. So it's Anakin really complimenting Ahsoka for being a peacekeeper who leads with compassion and, you know, and saying like, yep, it is, it is a struggle for all of us to let go of attachment. That's something I'm struggling with. I admit that. Um, and it's something you'll have to struggle with, uh, too young one. And it's, it's really nice and really beautiful from the perspective of Anakin complimenting Ahsoka. But I also feel like if you want to dig into it from the Anakin perspective, for me, there is a little bit of Anakin justifying his choices in that too. Totally. Totally. Cause yeah, you're, it's so sweet. Like it's like, it's such a nice Anakin and, and, and to, to tie it into something you said up top of just like Anakin, listen to yourself. Yeah. Like I think that for me, it is that really, yeah, g- g- take your own advice, yeah. but also like just, he kind of breaks it down of like, well, look, if we didn't know that the, the cold, uh, was going to stop them, then everybody else was risk all, at risk, all those other lives. Barris didn't know that the cold was going to stop them. She didn't have the information, so she was bravely willing uh, to give her life, and you followed your instincts that you know you thought that there was a, a way to save everybody else without hurting Barris, and mm-hmm. good job. But then buried in that is basically Anakin. Anakin went to torture Poggle because he could not bear losing Ahsoka. But he's telling himself, hey, I'm just a Jedi and I measured one life against thousands. Mm. And there's such a big difference to me in when we see Jedi use violence based on their intention. Mm. Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan, Yoda, 
uh, Mace Windu, Kiati Mundi, Luminar Anduli, uh, almost all the Jedi that we meet spend time with smiling Kit Fisto. Mm. If they had to cut down one person to save thousands, they would absolutely do it. But they would do it calmly, with peace in their heart, and, and sad because it was an unfortunate necessity. Mm-hmm. And because they were clear on that's what they were doing. And it, because it wasn't about them. And I think Anakin is telling himself that's what he did when he tortured Toggle. Oh. Or Poggle. But we, the audience, got to see him mm-hmm. storm in there with anger and fear of losing Ahsoka. Yeah. Toggle, toggle the fewer. So <laughs> yeah, he, he portrait toggle. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, there's, I'm, th- I'm thinking of Porter Ingle in the High Republic and some of the great stuff with him during that steely chase. Uh, for those who haven't read it, we won't go into it, but uh, just uh, that kind of thing of, of uh, uh, Jedi not always being forced to, into action or violence, but making the decision when it's right. Uh, great stuff there. And, and, and it can justify it is, is clear. Yeah, but not to take anything away from it. It is the fact that it is a, a kind speech for a mentor to give a, uh, a shaken up young one like Ahsoka. Uh, so you want to talk about any sort of uh, way that the themes reflect a larger story or morality or perspective on, in Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. I, I always love the, the larger story aspect of that question. Uh, you asked Joseph of, uh, of just uh, how does the, these particular episodes, not just the emotional canon we talk about, but just big picture stuff here. So I kept ruminating on, on this idea of, of kind of how their goal in this episode, uh, it, it essentially capture Poggle, right, as part of the bigger picture. Um, and how it just gets completely waylaid by our heroes having these moments of not working together, uh, maybe not supporting each other or, or rushing in or debates on how to do it. And all of them, all of that leading them to like literally being, you know, almost buried in the entire situation, buried beneath their goal. And uh, then taking that out and playing against what you talked about, this quest for knowledge that Obi-Wan is on, the, the, the curiosity, the weaponized curiosity, if we say <laughs> And how that can help solve things in a, in a way they do. And they survive and, and they get Poggle and it's all kind of good here. And I'm, I'm not saying this is a direct analysis of the fall of the Jedi Order, the Clone War itself. But really interesting for me to see it all boiled down to all these things that plague the Jedi in many ways during this era. Different ways, different approach, um, communication issues over it, maybe not seeking out the knowledge, not getting the knowledge. And if they had all the picture of who was behind it, if they had just figured that out. And, and sometimes it was elusive and Palpatine's a powerful enemy. Uh, I, I just saw it as a little, just kind of this, uh, the Clone War and the Fall of the Jedi in a little little horror show. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying there. Yeah, that there's this, uh, this question hanging over the Clone Wars of, okay, if we all agree that Palpatine played them and they never should have got involved in the war, then what should they have done? Mm-hmm. And... I'm, what I'm really appreciating watching the war, the story of the war escalate as we watch these chronologically is these last couple episodes, the Jedi are really ruminating on the war is just seems like it's escalating and going back and forth. One side is winning. The other side is winning. And there's just all this death. And instead of going, should we stop somehow? <laughs> their instinct is to put their foot on the gas and find any way possible to end it quicker. End it now. And that connects up with Revenge of the Sith when everything that the Jedi are doing about like, well, we just got to capture this this person and it'll end. It'll end, right? Um, and I think that's, I love what you're saying because I think that's a little bit of what the mistake might have been of not ever questioning that they should stop once they knew, could feel the pain that the war was causing, but rather thinking, 
we just have to end this as quickly as possible. And that isn't quick mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Uh, and along those lines, I did like that there was just some straight up Order 66 uh, foreshadowing in this. Oh, yeah. Not only in that there are clones attacking uh, Ahsoka and Barris eventually will betray and attack Ahsoka. So I was like, oh, poor Ahsoka. Yeah. All these people are going to attack you again. But there's that literal line from one of the clones. If there's one thing we clones know, it's how to stop a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Sad and painful. Um one other Obi-Wan line that I wanted to highlight in terms of its kind of reflection of the, the bigger picture is uh, Obi-Wan says to Anakin, because I make observations while you think with your lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a funny line. Anakin has a good counter. But honestly, I feel like, you know, Obi-Wan has all his many flaws. He makes many mistakes. But, you know, I think Obi-Wan beats Anakin slash Vader in, in two duels. He beats him on Mustafar and he really does, in, in my opinion, beat him on the Death Star because mm-hmm. uh, Vader thinks the fight is about a different thing than Obi-Wan actually cares about, which is protecting Luke and Leia and inspiring them. Um, and and then on Mustafar, obviously, he's Obi-Wan is just out thinking him sort of literally strategically with the high ground. Uh, so I thought that was a... It's a great amount of foreshadowing of the future horrific duels between Obi-Wan and Vader mm-hmm. uh, by this what sounds like in this episode is a, is a fun bouncy joke uh, because I make ob- observations while you think with your lightsaber. Yeah. It's like these things all connect. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like they're all connected. Yeah. Um, any other big picture thoughts? We, we, I was just uh, going over my notes. That's often happens. Sometimes you, you get so far ahead of yourself out of excitement. A lot of uh, the second episode is some of the bigger picture stuff of the peacetime and, Anakin's attachment to Ahsoka is there. A great line from Anakin, uh, you know, regarding Poggle of just, look, all that matters is he told me how to stop the worms. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> and, and everything we talked about. I, I Focusing a little bit on the Barris, uh, great, just a great delivery. Just kill me, please. And how, you know, uh, we talk about Ahsoka using her instincts. And I love what you, you described about where that comes from and what it's driving to versus uh, where Anakin sometimes drives to with his actions and, and his instincts. Uh, and, and it's like going again to Obi-Wan. This is a shining the light back on Obi-Wan and his quest for knowledge. Uh, you know, Barris in that moment, I think is doing something that seems right and seems like, Hey, please, if, if you, if you have any compassion for me, kill me. And also maybe that will help solve the problem. And not that she's looking to be a martyr, but you know, it's just from her point of view, that's all she has. Um, and Ahsoka has, the knowledge that she didn't have, you touched upon it. She has Poggle's plan. She does get that information from Anakin. So again, Anakin's like, eh, right? Am I right? I'm right. Thank you. But Ahsoka has that knowledge. And, and, and because of that is able to make the, the, the actual right decision where Barris does not ha- have that information. And in that moment, acting on what only that moment ha- provides her information provides her. She, she wants her to kill her. So just a uh, big, again, kind of back into the bigger picture we've been talking about. Absolutely. It is a kind of a reinforcement of knowledge making a difference and a picture of Barris as, you know, trying to be a good Jedi, right? She talks about how she's a learner and doesn't have all the answers. And she's just, she is fighting back against this mind control, uh, which, you know, we haven't seen anybody else manage to do. So, you know, it's impressive and strong and, and trying to say, you know, uh, I'm willing to die to protect other people. Poor Barris is trying to be a good Jedi, right? Mm, yeah, try, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. she always is until until she decides she doesn't want to be anymore. <laughs> until she makes some bad choices in criticizing the Jedi. Uh, good observations, 
poor choices, what with the uh, bombing and framing. Not great, Barris. <laughs> Sorry, harsh opinion. Uh, we're going to take a quick break then, and we'll be back to talk about some of the great action moments, some of the great comedy moments, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Back in a moment. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of these great horror-filled episodes of The Clone Wars. Ken, did you have a favorite action moment and or horror moment since a lot of the action moments were just tense, beautiful horror? Yes, yes, yes. Looking uh, into uh, the first episode of these two, I got, I got, I'll tell you that, the tension of the sandstorm stopping the action is itself a great action to me. Just, just the, the, the cutbacks of, you know, you got Luminara and, and um, Clone, I forget which uh, trooper it is, uh, just stuck in this sandstorm and, and, and the tension of that. As they try to make an action, then Anakin just a great shot of him just kind of behind that window, staring out at the storm and just can't do anything. That's some great non-action action to me. I I loved all of that there. And one of those notes, a lesson for young creators out there, not in the original uh, script story. And in fact, they were into the editing process of the episode where Filoni and, and, uh, and the editor were just sitting there going, there needs to be something else. And they went back and added all this in, including the dialogue. About the sandstorm? Sandstorm wasn't there at all. And they just kind of, well, this episode doesn't happen. What's, eh, we need something. We need something. And that worked out. And to go back and watch the episode after I've seen that little featurette bite and just be like, wow, I can't imagine this episode without it. It's so effective. And I love that moment of Anakin just kind of looking out and going, there's nothing I can do. It adds so much because it, 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 yeah, it's making Luminara more stubborn. It is making the other Jedi more frustrated. But it's also just building the horror. It's kind of a, a funny comedy and action line and a horror moment uh, when the battle droid just disappears. <laughs> you know, it's building that horror of, you know, just a basic building block of horror of being in situations where your senses are not are limited and you can't literally see what is going on around you. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that Luminara is just plunging into that loss of control because she's so obsessed is great. It does so much work. Yeah. Love that one. Uh, yeah. For me, uh, the, uh, I loved kind of the, the action horror moments in the first episode where uh, the dime starts to drop of that. We're truly dealing with just undead with zombies. I still remember the first time I watched these episodes, like they're just doing it. They're just doing full-on Star Wars zombies. It's so great. Uh, I love Luminara trying to escape, having her hands bound, and uh, punching that Geonosian in the gut, and it <laughs> and it's so rotten that her hands go into its body, and then yeah. it just stares at her and then screams. Uh, yeah. That one. And then there's that great, once they're pretty fully re- revealed uh, as zombies, as the undead, there's that blaster bolt from a clone that just goes right through the head yeah. of one of the Geonosians. And then the worm just kind of like readjusts through the nose. And I believe that's yeah. the first time that the worm gets established. I'm sorry. It's probably grossing you out as I say it. <laughs> no, great. No, great. And uh, I wrote down two Luminara fighting to avoid being captured is really good. Uh, great tension in the final run out of Queen Karina's lair. And I just wrote down anytime a clone trooper is yanked into darkness, it's creepy and effective no matter what episode, particularly this one. 
Yeah. Uh, I think for me, I also liked uh, right toward the end. There's so much great stuff down there in the in the tunnels. There's a great kind of shot of Obi-Wan almost turning to the camera in his sort of desperation to know what's going on and thinking that he knows it's over there. That's a great shot. Uh, but I love the horror movie des- desperation. I think it's Cody right as they're trying to climb up the tunnel uh, who just throws his blaster at one of the undead Gen oceans. I love it whenever anybody with a blaster or gun gets so desperate, they just throw it at their enemy. It's like, well, if bullets or blast bolts aren't working, maybe if I physically throw this, that'll save things. It never works, but it's so satisfying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What are some other moments for you? Uh, Looking in the second episode, um, there's uh, just um, some great music in Barris and Ahsoka's a lightsaber fight. Uh, I liked a lot about that. I, Barris just lightsaber gutting trap was brutal, but also one of those like video game moments where you're kind of like, I mean, that's horrible. I kind of like it. It's horrible. So there's that. Excuse me. Um, and, and I, Anakin torturing Boggle is, is just not right on any level, but there was a part of him that was also kind of like press X, press X, choke harder, <laughs> uh, which is might say something about me final one this is the final one for me and i want to hear what you got to say here joseph obviously but um this is very weird but i was watching kind of late last night and it, I, I i stopped i paused the video i, I wanted to go get some apple juice that's right I, kenny loves a, a late night cup of apple juice and uh i did a i, I went to get the apple juice from a fridge and i came <laughs> back and i i just had f- frozen the the frame there uh on uh, this wonderful shot I, I even took a picture of it i might i might post it in the discord of uh Barris and Ahsoka holding their blades against the good clones. And it was just one of those, like, I came back and I was like, that's some good Star Wars. This <laughs> looks good. It's a great shot. I just, I, I, it is wonderful. So uh, unintentional. And I just, I wouldn't have listed that if I didn't uh, need, need some apple juice. Uh, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list it now. I'm glad that the, uh, the force led you to want apple juice at exactly that moment. So you got to get that great Star Wars poster. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get distracted sometimes watching the episodes because I'm, you know, trying to take some screenshots for social media promotion as we go. And it, it, uh, I take way, way, way too many because it always just affects me of like the show is done so well cinematically that there's just like every episode of Clone Wars is like, there are like eight posters I would like in this episode. Oh, you know? yeah, 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 absolutely. Star Wars, Star Wars is just so beautiful. <laughs> it is. So Even beautiful. when it's horrible, it's beautiful. Uh, I mean, in terms of horror, not quality. A uh, couple of moments in the in the second episode I like. Uh, there's when Barris and Ahsoka are initially attacked, uh, Barris cuts uh, the clone's blaster in half and then just smacks the clone. It looks like in the neck or right under the ear with the hilt of her lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like seeing hilts used. That was great. Um, probably one of my very favorite shots in these two episodes is there is that, that clone lunges at Barris with the worm waving out of its head, trying to get into Barris's head. It is, I think, one of the most straightforward that's just a horror movie shot in Star mm-hmm. Wars. Uh, that that is a, the kind of thing that I have played in in Resident Evil. That's like you know a, a quick time event where if you're like, what button do I have to hit to make that stop right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just it's so so effective, and you can it makes you feel Barris's horror of like, oh wow, I don't I don't know what's going on, and this is terrifying, and this is you know yeah, totally. Uh, my last uh, big favorite is. It is a tension moment leading into an action moment. Great horror kind of thing. It could have been a huge jump scare, but I think they kind of softened it so it wasn't too terrifying. 
but when Ahsoka is, you know, at the communications desk, uh, you know, coming up with ideas, and Barris just appears behind the strategy board of glass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, yeah. And she's just there. And you got that tension of like, oh, no, Barris is here and she's not right. And we can tell it in her in her body language. And uh, and then leading to that really great big moment of Barris force pushing the glass at Ahsoka's. It, that's really good, too. That's really cool. Yeah, I love I love Ahsoka's kind of like, hey, Barris, what's up? Uh-oh. Oh, oh <laughs> Barris. Uh, actually, I lied. I have one other thing. It isn't really action, just something uh, that I watch with the captions on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it's easier for me to write down lines or or because it makes the screen captures more fun. And there are so many times where the sound of the worms is described as moist slithering. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most <laughs> horrific thing in this episode. It's a terrifying phrase. And the more I saw it, it's like, it's like a terrible Star Wars character name. Like, yeah. hi, uh, I'm, I'm a pirate. My name is Moist Slytherin. <laughs> Love it. Uh, maybe that should have been in moments of comedy and whimsy, but it was a little horrible. Uh, but let's move move on to that. Moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, what jumped out at you in this episode? I, I mean, I think we're both going to talk about droid uh, OM5's death. Don't leave me. It's, it's comedy. <laughs> it's weirdness. It's sadness. You and I have, uh, have been starting to track just every bad cl- droid moment where you're just rooting for these poor creatures. And this is because they have that conversation before. And yep. Falls. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, it's really sad. It, it is uh, funny, but tragic at the same time. Yeah. Um, what else you got? Uh, Anakin at one point says, uh, he's like, the bugs have a queen. And it's funny. And it's uh, this is also a bit of a lore connection. But, you know, v- eventually he comes back and I think he kills the next queen, right? Uh, it's in a comic. Yes. I broke yeah. all that down. We, we can talk about it yeah. when we get to the lore. Right. Cool, cool, great. Yeah, I just, but it's a funny moment. It just also, it's, a, it's, it's weirdness to just be like, yeah, it's, it's put a pin on that one there, Anakin. Um, the whole Anakin and Obi Wan uh, betting on the parasite worm sequence. I mean, come on, there's great meaning to it. We've discussed the great meaning, but also that's that's some great that's some great comedy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Obi Wan says at one point, I wrote this down. I've heard stories of a gene ocean hive mind so powerful, so strong that it can maintain its connection with its warriors after they've died. Obviously, exposition, but also like I just thought of. Um, uh, our mutual love of Dexter Jetster, and like this is this is Obi Wan. He hangs out with. Yeah. People who know these kind of stories and tell these kind of stories. And that's why he knows this. He heard this at the diner. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, other moments of comedy and whimsy for me, there's just something in the delivery of the battle droid uh, early on where the box falls off. That is what Illuminar uh, follows where the, the B1 droid is just kind of got weird bossy delivery of Lord Poggle says, leave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really love that. Um, yeah, and then almost all, some other thoughts, but it's mostly Anakin and Obi Wan of like, oh yeah. no, you don't actually want to talk to it, do you? And just some great comedy delivery um, from yeah. Matt Lantner, uh, yeah. and then uh, kind of a, a, a classic, classic Obi Wan line of, "No wait, I want to see how it works. I don't think Luminera wants to see how it works. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't." Oh, there's so many gems. I love Anakin's uh, study the butt of my boot. Come on, let's get out of here. Just- oh, yeah. Now, I mean, a lot of this is like great comedy because it's just like it's really Obi-Wan and Anakin is the the odd couple duo of uh, study it, destroy it. Uh, but it, it also really pulls out how much Anakin is like, I'm legitimately disgusted. I don't like any of this. I don't, I'm not curious. I don't want to know anything about it. I just want to destroy it and leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the, the line that you were referencing, come now, the nose or the ear, which do you think it will enter? 
Anakin size, I think the nose. <laughs> it is it's funny, it's creepy uh in a way, but it is one of those moments that just really there's there's tip of the iceberg stuff in Obi-Wan Kenobi's storytelling of him really being uh curious. Uh, he if he sees a trap, he really likes to spring it so he knows more. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's a tactic, sometimes that's just an instinct, and I love that in these funny lines it just comes absolutely full forward of like but no, I'm I'm actually like really intrigued. It's not just right. I should probably figure this out so I can resolve the situation. It's like the absolute like I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. see it for myself. Fun. So good. Uh, yeah. And then in the second episode, for me, just a couple things. Uh, the narrator, uh, when he was summarizing, summarizing, uh, I liked the turn of phrase and shut down its droid factories of doom. <laughs> It uh, everything in the Clone Wars, uh, not everything. The Clone Wars frequently reminds you. Remember, with all the big ideas, this is also uh, B movie pulpy adventure serial, and the narrator reminds us of that here in the episode. Brain invaders talking about factories of doom. Used to be a like a you know, B movie Roger Corman movie poster of this if it isn't already. <laughs> Absolutely, um, I like the freaky way that the first infected clone uh, scythe. <laughs> gets up uh like you know maybe the 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 worm hive mind doesn't fully understand how to walk like a human yet <laughs> yeah very men in black uh Edgar, your, your skin is falling off your bones just uh great great stuff there i i wrote down scythe uh rolling over when he's asked like come on get up and he's I, I it's one of those star wars moments where i'm really seen just like <laughs> all of us with the snooze button if like no yeah yeah. That's great. Um, I also like that scene where the clones are clicking the Geonosian language. Yes, totally. Nice yeah. and creepy, but also weird and funny. Um, and I don't know if they covered this on the featurette. I've now become obsessed with uh, pausing on the gunships to in some of the quick shots wow. to see if I can see the art. And the gunship that uh, lands uh, near the temple has a very cartoonish picture of a clone boot squashing a bug. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Any uh, any other moments of comedy or whimsy or weirdness for you? Yeah, just one great Anakin line. It's it's so um, it's so just written from like a '90s procedural or something like that. But it, when uh, they're talking and uh, and Anakin says, "I don't like it. Something's up." <laughs> Love that one there. Um, and then look, I mean, Kid Fisto, while he's barking out orders in an incredibly incredibly tense situation, still has a smile in his voice. <laughs> And I know it's just part of the character, and I love it. I love that it's there. I love that it's just yeah. like, things aren't going great. <laughs> of this. Everything's a problem, gang. Yeah. He's got a great, uh, what? well, we'll figure it out next time energy. And I, I really love that. And we get a straightforward smile toward the end, I believe. Yes. Classic yeah. Kit Fisto smile. All right. So we'll move on to some of the lore connection to other stories. Uh, one thing that jumped out to me is... Uh, just some Ahsoka and Rex relationship building. It's very, you know, small. Uh, but right at the beginning of the first episode, uh, Ahsoka tells Rex that she's sorry to leave him there. And uh, then when she contacts him in the second episode, uh, she says, boy, am I glad to hear your voice to Rex, you know, the clone, which is such great humanity of like, she hears Rex. She doesn't hear the mm-hmm. same voice. And, you know, especially knowing where the Clone Wars show ultimately goes where the the last season really highlights that 
Yep. This is a story of Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan, but, but their stories are ultimately told elsewhere. This is Ahsoka and Rex's story that I've been uh, having Mm -hmm. fun looking for those moments where, where is that bond built and how? I love that. That's great. Great to highlight that. So what are some, uh, I got some other stuff as well, obviously, but I would love to hear anything that jumped out to you. Yeah, lore connections, uh, all those wonderful things there. A lot of little things here. A small, small moment with Anakin. We we already talked about it. We'll talk about it again, I'm sure. But uh, when he when he drops down, he's like, "There was a struggle." And he's like very Aragorn tracking orcs, but uh, just that's when I was like, "Oh, he he is a PI. This is his. This is what he wants to do." <laughs> um, oh yeah, great. yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a struggle. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Uh, great line from Anakin of that can't be true. That's impossible. Kind of runs in the family, I suppose. Uh, saying that uh, kind of uh, statement. Um, in the second episode, this whole thing of, of Mace on Dantooine is, is a nod to the first Clone War series, uh, not canon, but it's just a nod to it. doesn't confirm it, which is kind of a nod. Um, and uh, for me, uh, a smaller one too here, and I got some bigger ones we can get to, but anytime you're walking around a blockade runner type of ship in those white hallways with the familiar design, I, I, just, I just always like it. It's always yeah. Clone Wars. I, and I really like what it does for that, for me, for this whole four episode arc of the retaking of Geonosis, that the four episodes put together really have this uh, great adventure serial structure of, can we even land? Can we destroy the droid factory? Can we capture Poggle? And then this feeling of we're on the medical ship. It's white and, and you know, welcoming and hopeful and safe. And there's still another problem. Uh, it's really great. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Bigger ones with the clones and everything that we, you touched upon, but we can touch upon here. Excellent. Uh, I just wanted to say, I love the, uh, that can't be true. That's impossible. It's obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a great, uh, that kind of attitude runs in the Skywalker family, uh, but it's particularly in response to Obi-Wan and Anakin figuring out that the undead Geonosians are undead. And it's Obi-Wan saying, uh, yes, we can't kill them because they're already dead. Yes. So not only is that can't be true, that's impossible, uh, very uh, Luke-like, but it's Anakin uh, facing death, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Anakin is going to want death uh, to be defeatable, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's, you know, uh, disgusted by this uh, gross and unnatural version of it. And later he embraces the possibility of unnatural uh, saving people from death. Unnatural. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go into go into some of your bigger stuff. Well, so the clone, the clones, uh, Ahsoka being attacked by clones. Um, it's it's eerily reminiscent now with season seven behind us of of some of the stuff um, she experiences uh, with Rex and the clones during the Order sixty six moments and that that freeze frame moment that I ended up uh, accidentally stopping on. Just uh, some of the dialogue of just like, why would these clones do that? And who do I trust? And what clones? Are, I mean, it's it's just real, real foreshadowing at this point for me. And uh, that great line you highlighted, if there's one thing we clones know, it's how to stop a Jedi. It's all it kind of reminded me of that moment in that Thrawn novel. Uh, I really like the moment of just when you realize, uh, you know, they're developing armor for the clones that are, you know, that would cause problems for the Jedi. And you just got that like, don't, don't, don't. I loved all of that. Yeah, and I love seeing this connective tissue that uh, Ahsoka's instinct is, of course, to be like, well, we got to stop them, the clones, obviously, but we've got to really try hard not to kill them. And then she goes through all of these life experiences to feel extra validated mm-hmm. in that, uh, in 
when Order 66 actually happens. And it is a contrast to how the other other Jedi, you know, yeah. handle it, you know? seen a uh i think there's much more depth and, and fun to discuss it but it, there's that funny meme of i don't know if you've seen it floating around uh social media of like the clones turn on ahsoka and she's like well, you know what can we possibly do so as to not hurt them yoda like <laughs> take this throws the sword in the clone <laughs> i think it's a, i think it's funny to draw that contrast i also do just like like there's great storytelling reasons of they're in very different situations trying to do right. very different things but it's also a funny joke yeah yeah. Um, for me, I yeah, I wanted to. I got confused about the Queen Karina stuff, so I thought that was fun. So this is like this big swing idea, obviously that that people like that. There's this Geonosian hive mind. It's a queen, and then we get uh, a bunch more in that. So uh, according to good old Wikipedia, uh, this uh, Queen Karina the Great does indeed die. She is uh, crushed in the uh, support pillars being knocked down. Uh, and then you got to go all the way to Rebels uh, and meet Click Clack. Right. <laughs> the Geonosian who survived uh, the Empire's uh, gassing and destruction of Geonosia uh, to make sure that they don't uh, spread any information about the early stages of Death Star construction. So in that episode of Rebels, uh, Click Clack is successfully protects a Geonosian egg uh, from Sagarera. And then this new queen appears in the vader comic and the idea is that is the egg that click clack mm. uh protected this new queen also takes the name karina probably to both honor the other karina and also confuse star wars fans mm-hmm. uh and this karina is the one that has the uh, mechanical womb and there's a bunch of great uh, story stuff in that mm. early vader comic run got it well well done sir Excellent, excellent. Uh, and then I, I got uh, myself all turned around as well about uh, Poggle's journey. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> so I thought that might be worth uh, a spin through real quick, quick too. So you know, he he is successfully arrested in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, and then when he's interrogated, uh, he this is there's stuff about that uh, in the Catalyst novel. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Krennic. Yeah. 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 That Poggle claims to know nothing about the ultimate weapon. And it seems like, you know, uh, the Jedi uh, don't let Anakin in there with him because he gets away with just saying, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but then Orson Krennic is working on the this mysterious project and he goes to Poggle. Uh, Poggle agrees to help Orson Krennic uh, and Orson Krennic, uh, you know, uh, engineers it to let let Poggle go. So Poggle could go back to Geonosis and help uh, Orson Krennic. Uh, but then Poggle stages a revolt among the Geonosians. He escapes uh, and he makes it back to the Confederacy Confederacy while the Clone Wars are still going on so that he can end up being sent to Mustaf- Mustafar to be cut in half by Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> so for Poggle the Lesser, all roads lead to Vader. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, I did great. Yeah. Great run to the catalyst novel. And I remember uh, enjoying that then. So uh, one day catalyst is on my reread wish list. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, very cool to see the tapestry of these characters and all of their back and forth and ups and downs and all the times they get attacked <laughs> by mm-hmm. Anakin Vader. Uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about in canon lore connections? No, definitely hit on the, the some of those bigger ones there. The, I love the small, love the big ones. And uh, I do love Ahsoka getting the, I have a bad feeling about this uh, Master Fisto line there. Uh, I love, the, love when that line is spread around like live from New York, it's Saturday 
bad feeling. Yes, I thought th- these two episodes were a tale of two quotes with the uh, Anakin's I've got a bad feeling about this is when he's pretty much directly looking at the queen. In fact, Obi-Wan says, it must be the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Anakin's, sometimes people use, characters use this line in a, I've got a bad feeling about this. Like, that's not a bad feeling. That's bad information directly in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I thought Ahsoka actually was right to have a bad feeling about this, you know. I'll follow your instructions, Master Pisto. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned? No, I mean, we talked up top of, of uh, you know, my horror genre adver- aversion, but clearly a lot in this uh, episode to discuss, a lot about I love, and that's similar to the the, the Zillow Beast arc where I uh, just pulled a lot more out of it now. I love finding the things there. At the end of the day, uh, straight horror, horror vibe, the zombies even, it's not something I gravitate towards Um but it worked and this work was really effective. And that's part of what we, uh, you know, practicing what we preach here at Force Center, just, just finding what you love in these episodes and, and building from there and not even just staying on what you love, but take what you love in an individual Star Wars moment or story and, and build out from there. And, can, and, and, and maybe you can appreciate the stories a little bit more. Maybe you'll never love them completely as much as the other stories, but find what's there for you and find what is in those stories. And I did, did those with these episodes and even this discussion today. Uh, help me uh, just find uh, the core of these episodes and what I love. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I I don't have a lot to uh, question because I love these episodes so much. There's a part of me that uh, almost wanted to see some little note following up on Anakin's torture because it was very clear that the other three Jedi, uh, you know, were not able to get anything out of Poggle. I think Obi-Wan has a line about he's not being very cooperative and then suddenly Anakin has vital information. Like, they have to know, right? So there's a one can assume that either Obi-Wan talked to him about it or they all just wiped it under the rug and, and that's all valid. There's a part of me that wanted to see a little bit of a, a follow-up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing that I question is the the end is so strong with Anakin and Ahsoka and Barris. There's a part of me that just wanted a, a slightly different image for the actual final shot. Mm-hmm. You know, Ahsoka kind of looks out at the window and, and there's a good good feeling of looking out at the future, but I wondered if there was... I kept wondering what what the actual end image was going to be of the of the episode. Mm. Yeah, gotcha. that is a minor quibble for two of my favorite episodes in Clone Wars because I think they have such great uh, depth uh, and they are such a great example of the Clone Wars really drawing in uh, other genres mm. and totally Star Warsifying them. You know, this could have been a fun zombie pastiche, and I think you can kind of watch it and just enjoy the the aesthetic but it, it goes into those roots of what makes zombies scary and ties it directly to big issues in star wars so it, they're just really really successful episodes to me right yeah they are anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on no good i do i i, I understand when uh the the clones are infected it's 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 kind of the the the, the parasites are looking for a new home so to speak but sometimes i'm wondering about who are they answering to <laughs> <laughs> Karina's dead. Is it just the parasites? Is this about the parasites taking over the world? Uh, small thing as well. Just a question, not a dislike, just a question. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of ambiguity in how exactly the hive mind works because certainly when Karina is trying to control the Jedi, uh, she makes it pretty clear like, uh, I devour you, I control you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'm, if she is indeed dead, uh, as Wikipedia tells me, I'm, you know, kind of left to think that. Uh, the worms are are sentient and they have their own hive mind and they're 
uh, clicking away to one another (laughs) (laughs) through the clones. Uh, the only thing that uh, I wanted to be sure to mention is uh, this is another uh, triumph of Kevin Kiner in the music, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great job mixing standard Star Wars music with a lot of great uh, uh, classic horror, you know, low chords with lots of dread and weird, tinkling, mysterious notes. And, you know, when necessary, like the Anakin torture scene, interweaving other Star Wars things in just uh, great, great uh, horror Star Wars music. Yeah, great indeed. Great, great genre mix. If you could have a figure, Ken, of any character from this episode, who or what do you want? Well, we need the Queen Karina, uh, the great um, burthen figure with real burthen, egg burthen action. Uh, gelatinous kind of, you know, tube there in the bottom. You just squeeze and an egg comes out. I think we need that. I don't know if we want that, but I think we need it. Um, And then not quite figure, but we always toss in some other uh, merchandise or memorabilia. We do need parasite gummies available. (laughs) Yes, a a bag of moist Slytherin for sure would be real tasty. A big Uh, warning on the bag. Kids do not put in your nose. (laughs) These do not go in your nose or your ear. Uh, these go in your mouth only. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the action figures that I want are exist. Uh, you can get Barris that comes with a worm. Uh, she's very expensive. Uh, you can also get an undead Geonosian, which is more affordable. So I might be looking at that. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want I want a Queen uh, Karina action playset with uh, oh. where which comes with like just have a chat Obi Wan where he is just hanging out talking with her. And yes, absolutely to your point. She should come with some sort of, you know, eggs that have some sort of like uh, <laughs> ooze, some sort of Nickelodeon ooze that comes with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So next up, we've got a single episode. We're going to talk about season two, episode nine, Grievous Intrigue. I'm sure that will be very intriguing. and Can't wait to dig into that. Ken, what do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast should be? When faced with life's big bug whores, just... Take some time to find a way to stomp them correctly. (laughs) It is a beautiful blend of learning from both Obi-Wan and Anakin. Take your time, be curious, but then, by all means, stomp on your problems. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? I'd love to. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod. We are on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Podcast. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. Don't forget to use that uh, audiobook code. If you want to uh, get an audiobook on us, go to audibletrial.com slash force center. And as always, you can support us directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash force center. You can follow me at catnapsock or go to catnapsock.com for information on all the bug killing tactics I know. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for links to my comedy podcast, Obsessed, comedy albums, all sorts of other comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Curious Obi-Wan Kenobi, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.